0: Storage used to be simple. You had a disk drive, you attach it to your system, boom, you got some storage. Then we created network storage and shared storage, blocks, files, object storage, and things got a little more complicated. Well, it's gotten way more complicated since that. Nowadays, it's kind of hard to understand even what storage is anymore. So we're here at the Storage Developer Conference and Storage Field Day asking the question and and, and considering the statement that nobody really understands storage anymore. I'm Stephen Foskett from Gestalt IT and this is the On-Premise IT Podcast. Each episode, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. We love to do these episodes together or on premises, and that's where we are right now at Storage Developer Conference in Fremont. So I've brought together a group of folks to discuss this concept. Does anyone really understand storage? I'm not sure I do. Before I begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, my name is Jay
1: Metz. I'm a technical director for Systems Design Engineering for AMD. I'm also the chair of SNEA, and I don't understand storage. I'm Andrea Mauro. I'm an
2: IT consultant and Techfield Delegate, and uh, you can follow on uh, the infrastructure or uh, Andrea Mauro on Twitter.
3: And uh, yeah, storage uh, has changed so much. (laughs) Hi there, Eric Abelson, independent uh, IT consultant working in France. I've been working with uh, storage as a focus on all of my consulting things, and like you said, it's getting out of hand and uh, harder and harder to keep track
4: of all the stuff going on. And I'm Andy Banta. I'm the storage janitor. And even being the storage janitor, I don't understand storage anymore either. Well, I
0: guess we don't even need to record this episode then. <laughs> None of us <laughs> very understand short storage. Yeah. And we are the storage people. So, Jay, I'm going to start with you. Mm-hmm. You are probably, uh, at least by title, the person who should understand storage best. So what even is storage in 2023 and beyond?
1: Well, you know, the, one of the funny things is that the more I learn, the more I have left to learn. So one of the things that we've been talking about here this week and the, the conversations we've been having with uh, the DNA storage group and the SDXI group the, the, with data movers, when you really dig down into it, it's try, trying to count the number, the grains of sand on the beach. You know, as the closer and closer you get, the more and more difficult it is to figure out exactly how many there are. And as we start to look at the, the scope of storage, you have to figure out which layer you're going to be good at. You're either going to be you know, something of a generalist, or you're going to be really, really, really specialized, um, but there is a finite amount of area under that curve. And so I, I admit my limitations to the best of my ability and know that there's much more I can do.
4: It's good when a man can admit his limitations.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of the problems
3: we've been seeing in this whole thing is storage has always been the black sheep of the IT systems. You go into, I mean, one of my things is that I teach in a number of universities, and one of the things I keep running across is you will never find storage on the curriculum. We've got whole programs to push out stacks and stacks of network engineers, but there's nobody in there that is even trying to get a handle on storage. So how do we expect the professional community to have the basics to know what this stuff is, When even us as professionals have been doing this for so long, have a hard time keeping up. And the schools have just totally dropped the ball on this one. So we're having to take these people that have been trained as network engineers at best. Uh, They're some of the best ones we have on hand anyway. And then bring them into the fold, bring them all up to speed on something that is just moving so incredibly fast that it's really hard to keep a handle on.
1: I got a great story about that, actually. Mm -hmm. So not too long ago, uh, maybe 2017, 2018, something like that, I went to the OSCON conference, you know, the open source conference. And there was a presentation done by a couple of young uh, software engineers who were trying to talk about the comparison of their database choice versus the old database choice. And so they were showing graphs of the performance differences and the deltas and how much you know they were getting better performance. I said, "This is really interesting." So, what what kind of storage were you using? And he said, "Well, uh, we changed storage midway too. So we went from we went from hard drives to flash." <laughs> and I said, "Wait. So how much of this is because of the change of database, and how yeah. much of it is storage?" And he said, "I don't understand the question." Oh no. <laughs> and it really dawned. I mean, again, this is about five six years ago, and it really dawned on me that. It's only going to get worse because as you start to look at the open source group or any other software group for that matter, there are so many layers of abstraction that they put into it that they're further and further and further away from direct placement, from data locality, for you know the zone namespaces and the way that things are being written and read to from, from media. Um, You know, the the brilliant presentation that Andy and Kinyip did regarding memory and and, um, and the buffering and caching that has to go on. That's so far removed from where most of the people are learning about technology, it it just right over their heads.
3: And the worst part is, that's the developers who are more technical than most, Mm -hmm. and then you throw in management trying to make storage decisions about this stuff, and they're even further removed from, well, what does this stuff mean? And as I recall, and we still write, I mean, we're not worrying with a number of disk axes the most of the time, but still the question is, they, they measure it in its capacity. That's the only metric that filters its way and bubbles its way up to the management layer. Yes and yeah. no, because <clears throat> the storage is the, just an infrastructure part, no. and
2: it's not only this, but uh, is uh, an infrastructure part. The focus uh, always is on uh, data, how you can manage the data, how you can provide the good service, uh, how can you provide value of this. Uh, and uh, the example of the database was uh, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, You you are just focused uh, at the data level of abstraction that you don't care what uh, is there. And maybe you make uh, <laughs> some big errors on how you compare uh, this with this, because uh, if I take uh, a, Utility car, and I compare with the fast car. Yeah, right. still for. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's that'll not definitely the same. Make, it's not,
1: definitely makes or a car problems. of
2: 20 years ago, and the car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, makes no sense. But uh, this gap, this abstraction, of course, uh, is uh, a huge problem. And uh, I think that a lot of people do not absolutely care what uh, is. The storage, what is the compute part, how, how they are built. And uh, it's uh, normal because they, they have to think uh, how how do how programming or how use the data. Then there are the people that are working on make this possible, make this fast, make this uh, r- truly fast in the best way, uh, reliable, uh, and all this stuff. But uh, is a, there is a huge gap between those two people, and uh, sometimes uh, people take the de- decision without
4: uh, talk with uh, both part. <laughs> well, and and Jay's point is interesting when when you don't care about the underlying media, and it is like how can that matter? But another piece that Eric kind of brought up that a lot of people ignore as well is. The networking involved, the storage transport is a huge part of the equation as well. And that's where an awful lot of networking knowledge is needed. There are so many people who are in the storage industry right now who don't understand the networking aspects and the transport required to actually get things around. So it's more often than not, it's actually going to be the transport that is the bottleneck in your storage system rather than the media itself. The media certainly plays a large part, especially in in Jay's database example. But the the transport actually requires far more more development and isn't something that people think about a whole lot. In yesterday's roundtable discussion that we had at um, the Storage Field Day, uh, find that at uh, techfieldday.com, there was a comment from one of the people who worked in large data centers who said, that storage storage consumes about 25 to 30% of the power in the data center. And I asked the question privately and didn't get an answer at that point. And it's like, is that simply the storage media or does that taking into account the storage transport as well, which again is going to consume a Mm -hmm. lot of energy. So these these are two different concepts that have to fit together. And there there are very few people who actually understand both parts of it. the, my my counterpart at the other end of the table I know has worked on both sides of it quite a bit. And I've worked probably more on the transport side than I actually have on the media side, but they're they're very two very important parts of the same thing.
1: Well it's gonna get worse. Yes right? and, and the reason is because I've often said that there's a collision course between storage and memory and you see the same patterns of exploration happening in different technologies, so we're, I'll to give two particular examples from opposite sides of the spectrum. One is the, the the trend towards fabrics and CXL, you know, where they're now having to deal with a completely different metaphor of a many-to-many relationship between different hosts, and put that through a transport CXL, which comes with it things like. Oversubscription, fan-in ratios, uh, hierarchical methods and topologies. You know, those are those are some of the things that memory people typically haven't had to deal with at the same level that somebody in a storage data center or you know enterprise would have to do. The other side of it is you know something like uh, I'm I'm also working in Ultra Ethernet, uh, a new consortium designed specifically to deal with transport. You know, from the physical layer up to the software layer and there are a few of us inside of the group that are very storage oriented. Most of them are HPC and AI and their attitude towards storage is, well, we do the hard stuff. We just have to have storage keep our bits for us. (laughs) And to your point, you, you really resonated with me particularly about those conversations about how those people are really focused on the fact that storage means capacity. And, and, and I've said this repeatedly, and I hate to, you know, to be a, uh, banging that drum all the time, but storage does not mean capacity. And it never has meant capacity, but that's the physical thing you can touch. That's the thing that people can go out to the local store and buy. They can buy a piece of, of hardware that that will plug into something, and they can say, that's, that's my storage. How much storage do you have? Well, I've got 14 terabytes. I've got 30 terabytes or whatever it is. That's storage. No. Getting that bit... To use that storage. And if you're talking about these really big scales, you know, like, like we're talking about for Ultra Ethernet or high performance computing and these AI clusters, really big scales, million node
4: clusters, you better stop thinking of
1: storage as capacity.
4: You're gonna get in a world of hurt. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the things that I tried to point out in my session at SDC uh, just a little bit earlier today, is the complexity that's going to come with this is overwhelming. It's not something that you can sit down with a scratch pad and a pencil and figure out. It's the, the complexity of both the memory hierarchy and the storage storage hierarchy on top of each other is is going to be unmanageable. And then you throw in things like Ultra Ethernet and CXL and you know TCPIP and whatever else is in the mix and you end up with Speeds that are what six seven orders of magnitude part, as well as capacities that are near that as well
0: mm-hmm. well, and that's that's one of the things I think that that shocks me the most about where we are today in storage again, it used to be pretty straightforward. everybody used roughly the same technologies. we don't even have you know the same technologies now, not not the same as then, but we have. A, a dozen different transports we have dozen different medias different topologies different approaches different protocols and it's yet it's all storage and so for example you know if 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 jay uh, you said you know people try to determine storage in terms of capacity if you had asked me 10 years ago what was the defining characteristic of storage i would i would have absolutely at that point as well said it's not timing. capacity it's persistence yeah persistence is what makes storage 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 and yet, we're talking about memory as a new kind of primary storage, sort of, that's not persistent. And, and then on the, on the extreme other side, we're also, you know, we heard today a presentation about DNA storage. Uh, you want to talk about persistence. That has nothing, none of the characteristics that we would want from a, an active storage media, but it sure does have persistence. That's one thing it absolutely has. Persistence, capacity, density, you know, but not any of the other you know, latency performance kind of characteristics that we would look at. and and so you know the, what is storage? Um, you know we used to remember tape was the sort of the ugly stepchild of storage and we would say, well yeah, that's storage too, but we don't want to talk about that now, right? Um, now we've got you know uh, 10 different kinds of media. It, it really is a challenge because the, the, the truth is I can't fault people, um, you know software developers, uh, machine learning engineers, Database, Well, I can fault them all day long, but um, I can't fault them for having the wrong idea about storage because it is such a big topic. So how do we address this, and what does this mean?
3: Well, that's been the thing that's been worrying me because for 20 years, 30 years, storage admin had to basically understand the hierarchy of how many disks do I need to provide XIO, and given a certain budget, what can I do with that? I had a choice of transports, which was really not difficult. It was fiber channel or ethernet and I didn't have anything else to work. I just had to figure out those basic axes. That's all I needed to learn about. And even that, the school systems aren't even teaching those basics. Now we have to introduce complex topology systems. We, I need to be a networking engineer to understand the various flavors of Ethernet, and all the new ones coming out online. I need to understand the impact of using something like TCP/IP uh, over these different stacks because that brings its own overhead. And even in the smaller shops, the biggest problem we're seeing here is you have to basically give a university level course to the existing administrators so they can understand what they're buying and that's become a huge bottleneck in just in getting these new products into the market because i have to not only explain it to their storage engineers who are just basically keeping their existing systems running and have no bandwidth to come to these kind of conferences and discover all the new things that are happening and that's leaving aside the whole management layer which you have to explain to them and how do you explain all this to management in small words <laughs>
4: Well, and I, along these same lines, I want to point out that in the past twenty or thirty years, the resiliency equation has changed dramatically as well. Uh, uh, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, it would be if you wanted to have resilient storage, you had you mirrored it. You had two copies of the same data that sat side by side. And along the way, uh, the idea of RAID came along, ways of being more efficient. And faster in terms of doing your resiliency and flash changed this equation even more so where you end up needing to use something like a coding where you don't end up hitting the wear limit of your flash by simply writing the same thing on multiple different caches you you need an algorithm that's efficient in the way that it actually wears the device unlike previous ones so even even this part of the equation has gotten more complex and Nobody's teaching it I, yeah. I remember when I was in school there were there were classes on algorithms that were necessary for doing resilience and that type of thing, apparently not anymore
1: nope so where where the things that I've been working on um, are even beyond that i mean it's they're not even teaching cursive in schools anymore, so forget about storage <laughs> um, but but the, the thing is that when one of the things that's been happening over the last couple of years that's kind of been under the radar for a lot of people is is the, the placement of compute in different locations where they normally weren't there before. Uh, compute inside the network, compute inside memory, compute inside the storage devices. So most of the storage people, most, not all, but most of the storage people are really focusing on, on the bits, moving the bits, getting the bits, protecting the bits, keeping the bits, sharing, sharing the bits, using the bits. But they're not quite so familiar with what happens inside of the processors or the relationship between the processors and what's going on uh, inside of storage. And quite frankly, the compute people are coming in with the attitude and the impressions that, um, that storage is nothing but capacity. So the bias against storage goes both ways. And so one of the things that I've been, I've been trying to figure out how to how to f- Reconceptualize the concept of computational storage. For instance, I really don't like the word computational storage because, to the uninitiated, to those who don't know the basics, it's slapping a processor on a flash drive. Yeah,
4: yeah,
1: right. And it's nothing could be further from the truth. While those components exist, the whole promise of the premise, of, <laughs> the whole promise of the premise of computational storage is, is that what we are doing is we are avoiding work. We are avoiding the movement of data that should not be moved. Now, that kind of absence, that negative space that just simply doesn't exist in a storage world, we're focusing on what is there and how we have to move things, not how do we stop ourselves from moving it. And uh, last year at the Storage Developer Conference, uh, Gary Greider from LANL came and did a beautiful keynote about the work that he's doing on keeping the data in situ, on the drives, and doing processing and getting ninefold orders of magnitude better performance. Nine, not not times, nine orders of magnitude better performance by processing that data there and not having to move 150 petabytes across the network. It's at That's staggering amounts of savings. That's storage. That's what computational storage, and again, I hate the word, but if somebody could come up with a better one, let me know because well, I'll put in, that in there real quick.
3: Intelligent storage comes to mind, yeah. but it's the problem is the intelligence needs to be trained. It needs to be we, we need to bring up a whole generation of storage developers yeah. that can bring that computing intelligence down to or closer to where the actual bits are living. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be some fun stuff happening as well uh, on the uh, transport side that we're not seeing the same problem if we can get it off the network. It's not just the IOs, it's the whole stack that comes into play when you start dealing with that stuff of being able to pull it away from the CPU and not, well, use another CPU (laughs) where they're proliferating all over the place. Yeah, but uh, also this can change uh, if we consider how
2: the the transport uh, can increase in speed and in function because uh, we can make memory to memory from two different systems that uh, maybe can change also the idea that uh, I have to make something closer. If uh, I can do in the same way, if I have a good uh, transport uh, behind, and I think that classification is becoming so difficult now because also saying memory and the storage are a different type of uh, level of uh, one single pyramid uh, where you have primary memory, secondary memory. Uh, and the persistent also we have persistent memory that uh, is uh, a different type of uh, RAM that we we can have uh, at first level. So probably storage can be classified can be defined. Classified is difficult, uh, but maybe can be defined how store uh, or contain data in, um, in an efficient way that uh, can be from the space uh, from. Uh, from uh, the performance, uh, from the function point of view, because uh, actually, it is no more uh, capacity persistent uh, uh, performance, but it is also a set of function that you can have a resiliency or uh, durability or uh, what else, uh, local, uh, remote, uh, replication, snapshot, uh, all this kind of thing.
0: So I- I'm going to say something kind of radical here. Um, I think... In 2023, the difference between storage and memory is no longer persistence. Yeah. I think it's political. Um, I think mm-hmm. that the difference between th- that memory is memory because memory is the domain of application developers, and storage is storage because it's not. <laughs> and that points to a problem architecturally, technically, structurally. And in, in, in I think it gets to the core of what we're having, the problems we're having here. I mean, this follows on on what you've all been saying. Um, how do we address this political problem, this domain issue, in order to continue? Well, because storage is going to move forward. Technology is going to move forward because product companies are, are going to be continuing to develop it. Developers are going to, some developers are going to nerd out about it and come up with new ideas. Storage is going to proceed and continue to develop. But... But how do we have this happen in a way that's going to be useful, that's going to be practical, and that's going to be functional?
1: Well, I can tell you what I've been trying to do to, cha- to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, um, as, as chair of SNIA, I have been focusing on well, two things. Well, The first thing I was doing is making sure that SNIA is prepared to be able to handle new projects that we would not have been able to do five years ago right? because we were just a series of, of projects that were kind of working relatively independently. But now we're, we're weaving a thread between the different, uh, between the different projects and trying to ensure that it's, it's a one plus one equals three. What I do plus what you do equals a third thing that comes out of it. Now, not just inside of SNEA, but we're working with NVM Express. We're working with JEDEC. We're working with DMTF. We're working with these other other groups. And, and we're exploring additional possibilities to create a Rosetta Stone, a lingua franca, a, vo- a vocabulary. Because, quite frankly, when it comes to memory and processing and network, we're all using different terms, but they all sort of mean the same thing. Or worse, we're using the same term. And different. Like namespace is a really good example. Namespace and processing is not the same thing. Subnet and InfiniBand is not the same thing as subnet and Ethernet. Yep. That's even in networking, right? Exactly. So yeah, so we're, we're trying to come up with this kind of, of a mutually beneficial vocabulary, uh, or at least a translation that is re- repeatable and, and acor- across multiple organizations, even if we're not doing all the work in one group or another. So that's what we're trying to do over in SNEA Is is to effectively, you know, create our own network of of people and work and developers to be able to uh, to, to to get to that endpoint.
4: And I mean, sort of addressing the political side of this. Going back to a point you made a couple minutes ago, um, there's the the specialization is actually something that that's kind of hurting the entire industry simply because. Nobody else knows what anybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed, especially in the storage industry, is the abstract and abstraction of newer software languages often mean that the people who are working on storage products don't understand how a processor works. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's always been fundamental in terms of being able to get the most out of what you do is it, you actually need to understand how a processor works to be able to... Make the u- best use of it, and the people who understand how to make the processor use or the work are the ones who consider storage just capacity. Mm-hmm. And the people who work on storage products and even storage protocol products, to, the, to some of my experience, really don't have a freaking clue how a CPU works. And that disconnect is part of what makes these two or these groups of people not understand each other, mm-hmm. and it's I, I think if you actually want to build really good storage systems, you need computer scientists who understand how, what a processor does. Well I think that's really important
3: because it, the silo is not only political, it's also cultural, mm-hmm. and the training side of it is one gap. We know that you can become a computer scientist, and you won't learn anything about storage. You can become a network engineer, and you won't learn anything about storage. And somehow we have storage engineers. Where do they come from? (laughs) That's always been something that baffled me is somebody had to wake up one day and go, this is cool stuff. This is interesting stuff. I'm going to have to learn it and I have to learn it all on my own, which is one of the things I really like about the SNIA's initiatives about doing things like let's develop a common language. Because that's one of the advantages these other cultural groups have Mm -hmm. is that when they use those words, they all know what they're talking about. And it's not just a, a political IT silo thing that just happened because that's the way the, the the work was chopped up. It really is a cultural thing about what languages did you learn? How do you communicate with your peers? And if we don't come up with that lingua franca that we can use to communicate with the other IT silos, so that we can contribute to that DevOps uh, concept and things like that, we're in for a world of hurt.
1: Well, the good news is the good news about that is that you know, about seven, eight years ago, I started working with a library, or I started creating a library of back-to-basics, right? Yes. So I created, uh, among, uh, with some other people inside of, of the networking storage forum inside of SNEA, the Everything You Wanted to Know About Storage But We're Too Proud to Ask series.
3: Nice.
1: And I think we probably came up with about 20 different webinars going back to saying, what is RAID? What is block file and object? We went right back to the beginning and I, I have to say, we, we got, we got the, probably, I got the best possible compliment I could. It was about 2018 or so. It was right before lockdowns and everything. And we had, uh, we had a summit with the NVM Express. And a guy comes up to me. I'd never met him before. And he said, I want to thank you. I said, okay. He said, I binge watched every single one of those Back to Basics. Wow. And it got me a job. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I mean, all I, uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a series that I wanted to watch. I, I would love to have somebody do that for compute. I would love to have somebody do yep. that for memory. Right? Everything you wanted to know about memory, but we're too proud to ask, I would watch the hell out of that, right? Everything you wanted to know about AI-generative uh, software. As long as, as long as you weren't trying to say, well, it's intuitively obvious to the casual observer <laughs> that if you take, the, like, s- slow down, Mister Matrix Head. All right, I, I just need to know, that to define your terms for me because a lot of them don't. Yeah, define <laughs> your terms for me. Help me understand what you're doing, and I will help you understand what I'm doing, and that's how we can make it better.
2: Yeah, making, uh, going back to to the cultural level uh, is very important. Otherwise, you don't have. Uh, the base uh, to construct something uh, is uh, is the first step. Then it can be interesting uh, think uh, or think uh, what uh, are we doing? Because uh, the entire way that uh, programs are done are because uh, CPU was only possible was was talking only with uh, the primary memory, and uh, no other way to talk with the other pieces. And uh, maybe now, with uh, all the opportunity, this, this model can be rethinked think because uh, if you can move some data from a memory to a memory and transform this data during the, the movement, uh, also the way that you think uh, a normal program should be uh, redesigned, probably, uh, we have a new opportunity that can uh, probably Change uh, totally how we are working. Uh, not only from uh, the technology like DNA storage, but how also we we are uh, we are building application because still are uh, micro microservices, but still uh, all the way all the way to programming.
0: It, it really is an interesting conversation, and the, and this discussion has turned in an interesting direction to me, and I'm sure to those of you who've been in academia as well doesn't this remind you of physicists and chemists and biologists <laughs> talking to each other? Doesn't this remind you of, uh, you know, social scientists talking to, I don't know, philosophers and psychologists? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because all endeavors, you know, as, as you get deeper and deeper, you start developing your own culture, your own politics, your own phrases, and then you eventually realize oh no, we're just not talking to each other at all, we're not learning from each other, we're duplicating efforts, we need to work together, and you need to break down those barriers. So I'm not surprised coming from you, Jay, that, that, that your effect, that your attempt is a very uh, academic attempt, which is let's define terms, let's figure out how we can work together, because that's that's what I would expect. And um, I think that's, that is what the industry needs. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. Uh, before we go, I'm just gonna quickly go through where can we connect with you and continue this conversation?
1: Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously, uh, or on Twitter stroke X at uh, drjmetz, D-R-J-M-E-T-Z, or jmetz.com is my blog. Yeah, or LinkedIn or Twitter or my blog, uh,
2: and from there you can all have all the link.
3: So blog is at uh, InfraGeeks.com. I'm now on Mastodon. So that's Eric at InfraGeeks.social. And the places
4: to find me. And of course, everybody's on LinkedIn. And I'm Andy Banta. I'm on LinkedIn and at Andy Banta on Twitter, not X, Twitter.
0: And uh, my blog is AndyBanta.substack.com. Speaking of politics there, Andy. Um, <laughs> and I'm at S. on most of the socials, including X Twitter and, um, and Mastodon. And, of course, you'll find me here on the On-Premise IT Podcast, the Gestalt IT Rundown, and Utilizing Tech at gestaltit.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. And please do leave us a rating or review in your favorite podcast application. We're also found on YouTube at YouTube slash Video. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and we will catch you next week.